welcome back and here we have the interview part of the the podcast and i'm well extremely happy to have ukraine's uh, highest rated chess player pavel elianov with us you are i think number 36 in the in the world right of course had a great chess career i think you won uh, dortmund uh, super tournament earlier this year a former second of Magnus Carlsen as well, a renowned author, basically anything a chess professional can do. So thanks a lot for, for coming here. But, well, you are Ukrainian. And of course, uh, I guess at this point, maybe chess matters less in your life. So we'll be very curious to hear your your present uh, story over the last couple of years. So thanks a lot for, for joining us today. Okay. Hello, Peter Heine and Mr. Doge. Uh, I'm I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So yes, uh, chess uh, somehow somehow it's not the most important issue at the moment, probably in our in our heads. But uh, still, I'm uh, trying to play chess sometimes, and then also I'm coaching as usual. So I'm involving in my professional life one way or another. Okay, that's actually very good to hear. But uh, no, I'm sorry, but we would like to go back to perhaps uh, more important uh, issues. Um, Well, you have given a few interviews about your situation when the full-scale innovation uh, started. But maybe please uh, talk us through it and try to go into details, well, if it's not too painful for you. Yeah, sure. So from where we have to start, from which point? I don't know, but well, I think uh, well, let's start with twenty fourth of February. I mean, this well, well, where were you at, at the time when uh, Russia tried to sort of uh, well, yeah, so, coll- collapse your country? Yeah, so I was about actually, I was about uh, to fly to Emirates, so uh, I, I I I had a booking uh, of. Uh, I don't know, 10, 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. 24 February, I, I had the booking to, to Turkey and then to Emirates because then I, my, my contract in Emirates uh, was starting officially like March, March 1, I guess. And then uh, I decided to come a little bit earlier to settle some stuff uh, with... Uh, apartment and so on in Emirates and then uh, at some point uh, uh, in the midnight let's say February 23 I realized that something is going on because uh, I have a friend uh, in Kharkiv airport and then... oh, so m- maybe just explain Kharkiv to us and um, yeah. which kind of city is it where is it uh, located Kharkiv is in the east this is the second city in Ukraine from point of view of population, and it's like 40 kilometers from uh, to the Russian border. So, uh, and yes, uh, many people are asking me how how, how are you living like uh, nine years? Uh, uh, I mean, since uh, 2014, how the how how are you living in the in the constant danger of uh, of, of the war? And uh, that's what uh, that's actually quite interesting issue because we are used to live in this constant danger I actually didn't feel maybe that much uh, that uh, they they just about to invade uh, in such a scale because I, I thought that most likely they they start uh, from uh, Donbass region and then uh, okay and then I I I, I thought that it will be maybe more re- regional but uh, yes uh, and the night actually yes as i said as i said i i already felt that something is about uh, to happen because my friend told me that uh, airport is closed in the midnight like uh, like maybe 12 hours before my flight and then i started uh, to check my options what i can do maybe i have to go I mean, to the west and try to uh, check. I mean, west of I Ukraine. Have, yes, the west of Ukraine, and I have to say also, the Ukraine is quite big, and it's at least one thousand kilometers to go. So I, I decided to start whether I can uh, find another airport, but then I realized it's just to go sleep, and then 
I woke up just like, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes before shelling started. And then I decided to check in the news. And then I, 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 I found uh, some, uh, some live coverage of Putin. Then he is starting uh, special operation and so on. And when you the, say shelling started, maybe just explain. I mean, what is what does shelling mean? Which kind of effect did it have on the city? It's it's shelling. I was I was looking in the in the window and I was I I I, I was hearing and I I saw the shelling uh, just nearby somewhere. And uh, yeah, and that's actually. Okay, I, I just decided to move to my mother's house to, to be together, and uh, at some point we left uh, to the west uh, uh, of the country. Uh, at first we, we went to Lviv, and then to, to another point, uh, to Mukachevo. And uh, yeah, so it was, of course, very stressful. I actually I lost a lot of weight immediately, like maybe like... Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to eat. Uh, maybe one one week at all. I didn't. I I, I couldn't uh, uh, couldn't eat. It was really stressful. And uh, the most stressful moment probably in my life was that uh, uh, because uh, first I I left uh, by myself and my mother and my daughter. She decided to stay for some time in uh, in Kharkiv. Because it was not clear, it was also very dangerous to uh, to use trains because uh, we decided maybe it's safer to uh, stay in, in Kharkiv. But it turns out that uh, Kharkiv is it was in in a constant uh, shelling uh, just immediately, and uh, in one week also they decided uh, to leave by train. And uh, the most, uh, 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 the most, uh, the hardest, uh, the toughest moment was uh, they were in Kiev, and uh, for for some stuff, uh, they they came from Kharkiv via Kiev to Lviv, and then uh, the, the rocket hit maybe just a few hundred meters uh, from from the uh, from their train, so that. And I was constantly monitoring during the night what's going on, and I, I saw the news that Kiev under constant shelling, and of course it was very stressful moments. And I, I was always, I, all the time I was trying to call them, and then at some point uh, it was a big relief, of course, when I managed to talk with my mother. Uh, so, so basically, basically I left. Uh, I, I left uh, very early to the west of Ukraine because also I, I thought that maybe I can cross the border because it was not clear about the rules uh, because I had the official contract like uh, I, I'm going for a work but it, then it became clear that there is no chance uh, to leave at all. I mean. I'm a little bit curious. You say you are leaving Kharkiv on the 25th, correct? And traveling to the West. But, yeah. I mean, how does one travel through a country like this? I mean, if I remember the geography correctly, Kiev is sort of in the middle. You basically must have been traveling through a, a massive war zone. I mean, does yeah. logistics work? Did you go by car? Does You sound like trains actually functions. But if yeah. literally millions is trying to move themselves, the train system cannot absorb that. I mean, must it be complete chaos? Yes, actually, in the very beginning, it was uh, it was uh, easier because uh, the people were shocked, maybe, and the people were unable to decide what to do, probably. And uh, I, I took the train without much effort, actually. Okay. And in one week after, it was already much, uh, much more difficult. And uh, yeah, so. But you sound calm about it. I mean, did you just pack your suitcases? But did you think that, I mean, you are describing Kharkiv under shelling, which is basically, well, artillery firing at the city, right? I mean, you could not know if your house will stand there when you're back. Uh, did you bring all your stuff? How, how, does it, how does one react in such situations? 
actually I decided it was almost last minute decision because also maybe no Moshe Slav from Israel, the captain of my club, Fashdot, he, he he said that he he will also try to help me via some organizations and then. Um, also, I decided uh, to give it a try. Um, in just in the very last moment, I I, I read uh, I, I read that there are some special train, uh, and in, in in one hour before uh, leaving, I just decided to pack uh, to pack what I can and then just to leave uh, in the very last moment, because the, then I I thought that it's uh, it would be unclear of course it's it's like it was like uh uh i i i how to say i i was like like uh, it was absolutely random uh, random decision because i i i was unable to calculate what are my chances i decided to make it like intuitive decision but uh, I was regretting, of course, that I didn't uh, took uh, my daughter and my my mother. But my mother, she she refused simply to to, to come. And then, uh, okay, I and uh, uh, fortunately he he decided to come one week later. So and I I was regretting uh, a lot, of course, because I, I left uh, alone without uh, uh, without. Uh, my closest people, uh, which I love the most. So basically, it was uh, quite a difficult decision for me. But uh, yes, I, of course, I was really happy when they came to, to the West. Yeah. So, so your mother didn't want to leave. Do you think it was because she like didn't really believe? how serious things were did she think it was just like a short-term thing and you know it would all like blow over in a few days or actually she she's a kind of person that she she loved to stay at home I mean, older people are are used to live in the same place very often mm-hmm. and I, I i actually i know a lot of uh, like parents of my friends, and many of them are staying uh, in Kharkiv. Uh, I mean, throughout the time, I mean, no, uh, like I don't know, for instance, my Sienka father. Uh, so many, many, actually, many people are staying in Kharkiv, and actually, many people are uh, returned back, actually, also, because now, of course, it's much more safer than. And let's say in the first uh, few months. Yeah, because I mean that's one of the things I always find. Like I, I remember like early on in the in the war, uh, Mikhailo Alexienko told this story about how he had to leave uh, with, like I think he had two cars full of people, and it was like a mixture of children and like his. Mm-hmm. I think it was his parents and his, his in laws. So it was like a full set of quite old people. Mm-hmm. And I just imagined like how difficult it would be trying to convince my grandparents that they mm-hmm. had to leave their home because yeah. they would absolutely say no. They'd be like, "No, this will things will work out. We're not leaving. You know, this is where we've lived for you know fifty yeah. years or whatever." And I just thought that 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 must be one of the hardest things because it's just very like dealing with people on like that individual level where you know you're having to. Like I've gone on a long trip before uh, with my in-laws where we drove from the UK to Sweden and that takes several days. It's a very long journey, but it was, you know, just driving. And that was quite stressful because, you know, it was a big deal. It was a long journey. Uh, They were kind of older, but I, I just can only imagine how difficult it would be if you're trying to do that kind of journey under those circumstances where you know there is like real danger and real pressure to escape yeah i can only imagine how how difficult that would be yeah so basically and then uh uh, at some point uh at some point fortunately uh we were we were able to leave and then uh altogether we left emirates 
uh, to the safety and then uh, yes that's that's basically a short story of of uh, of, of this period and then uh, i was working in emirates for uh, one year uh, i was working uh, in Sharjah chess club uh, with only students salim Saleh. so it was quite interesting experience and uh, yes very nice and but also different country and uh, also yes uh, also i'm grateful for uh, for the people who i mean anyway i was late like uh, i was late like almost one month according to my contract but i was uh, i was able to to come and to start my work so basically basically it was quite interesting time and uh, but you were actually able to focus on your work there. That sounds almost insane, but maybe it was a good way to escape from uh, realities. Chess is a, perhaps a nice thing to think about when other things are too painful. How, yeah, how... You, you all know that chess is a perfect drug, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes, and also specialists are, are suggesting uh, if you are like under big stress or, I don't know, depression, then you have to try to work as much as you can so something mm -hmm. like that and actually i i managed to to switch it uh, more or less normally also mm -hmm. also i had some feeling that um, maybe i have to support some somehow maybe our people so i uh, i uh, i managed to, to raise some money also and uh, I, I was trying to donate, uh, and also still, still I'm doing it, but like uh, from, I, from more like personally, so trying to support at least little bit uh, some friends and uh, the people who who in the need. It, it's actually the people who took up arms and some some other people. Maybe let's move on to to them and to Ukrainian chess in, in in general. I mean, well, first of all, let's offer our sincere condolences for. I mean, uh, the Ukrainian Chess Federation lost their vice president, Artem Sachuk, uh, only two days at the front. Uh, can you tell us a bit about sort of Ukrainian chess in terms of casualties, in terms of having people actually serving at the front at the moment? Yeah. So of course. Uh... It's a huge tragedy. Uh, I knew uh, Artem, I knew personally, although we were living in different uh, cities, like he, he, is, uh, uh, he, he is from the central of Ukraine, uh, from uh, basically first he is from Zhytomyr, uh, but this is a uh, city which is close to Kyiv, and he was uh, working and living uh, lately in Kyiv. Yeah, so uh, we were not really close, but uh, also, but maybe you know that uh, my only relationships were broken long ago with Federation. Yeah, I understand. But, but uh, regarding Artem, I can say that, of course, he was one of the few decent people from Federation. So we have a, we had a contact, uh, more or less, constantly i mean from time to time uh, whatever was my relationships we had some contacts and uh, yes he uh, actually he he asked me a few times whether i, I can help uh, when he took up arms and then uh, yes i i i actually tried to help him with logistic and uh, with some I, i don't remember some repair of some stuff uh, okay not so much but uh, i managed to help him a little bit also he was uh, he was in in this federation he was kind of efficient manager uh, a young one because um, he 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 was uh, i think he was uh, he had uh, at least two occupations he was a lawyer and uh, accountant and uh, i think he was a really talented person uh, very well educated and very interesting one okay maybe some uh, we had maybe a little bit different visions from point of view of professional chess but it's a it's, a, it's of course different matter but uh, from what i know from uh, people who knows him better like 
uh, also maybe you saw Igor Kavalenko wrote about him that he was in contact contact with Artem. That, uh, so it, more or less everything what I heard that actually he was one way or another quite decent person. I had the pleasure to speak with him once, uh, sort of on online when he was actually uh, at some forest near near the front and about chess politics, and he he made a very good impression. But I'm also thinking in let's say more in general. I mean, there is quite several. Or oh, is it only Kovalenko right now who's at the front? But there is quite some, is my impression. And also, oh my. Yeah. There are more people uh, uh, from chess community. Yes, what, what I can uh, for, about, it's well known also about uh, uh, Grandmaster Georgi Timoshenko. Also, uh, another good person from Federation, Anatoly Yavorsky, who is a chess journalist. Uh, he's uh, also decent uh, uh, player on uh, amateur level. He, he, he is normally responsible for public relations in the Federation and also we are in contact uh, from time to time. So he is also involved uh, in army uh, pretty much all the time. And also uh, like yesterday I had also some, some bad news. I was told some bad news about another uh, chess player who is not internationally recognized, but he is, uh, he, he at least was, he was very talented and I think he, he even won uh, on uh, Ukrainian championship under 20, as far as I remember. Uh, he, uh, the name is Mikhail Yarmisty, and he, he was in his prime maybe close to 2400. So, and uh, he is missing maybe already like maybe about one month or so. He is missing uh, and I was told from a friend of mine, he, he also, he took up arms almost immediately when the war started and first he has uh, some trainings in the United Kingdom, even uh, like uh, two months and then he came back in the in the war zone, uh, somewhere in the Zaporizhia uh, direction, which is, of course, uh, very tough one. So, and then now he's missing. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the news. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry there to, are, to hear. Unfortunately, there are, too, uh, there are a lot of people also from chess community who are, I mean, are heavily injured or killed at the moment. How does this affect the federation? I mean, I saw with uh, Sachuk, but also I think uh, Kittrich, who who also died uh, recently. That I mean, well, they are in the army, but they might even still attend chess events uh, in their spare time, and they have uh, sort of rotated outside. So they are basically even fighting at the front, but are still a part of the chess environment at times. Yes, yeah, so uh, so we have uh, great traditions, and fortunately. Uh, if we are talking about federation, I don't see uh, I, I don't see much activity, of course, as usual. But uh, we have uh, we have uh, very good enthusiasts on different regions, uh, so they're still trying to uh, to host uh, some tournaments. So uh, yes, uh, they are also heroes in my point of view. So they're still doing. From, from instance, in Nikolaev, uh, mm. this is also, of course, very very dangerous place, Nikolaev, uh, yeah. in the in the south. Uh, so uh, we have, uh, like, I can call Dmitry Garoshenko, and um, in in Lviv, of course, Lviv is much more it's much safer place, but Lviv is now is clearly like. The, the, the central space of chess activity. So, so I'm happy that uh, chess is surviving somehow. But for instance, I mean, we have seen pictures of chess clubs, I think, um, I forgot, Kramatorsk and one other city who was actually literally bombed. But we still say, you mentioned in Mykolaiv, those chess activities. I've seen pictures of chess activities in Odessa. I mean, they are actually organizing tournaments cities that are literally shot at. Um, how does that work? 
Yes. So uh, again, I, I have to repeat that uh, the people are very brave. It's very hard to imagine. So st still, uh, they 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 can host uh, tournaments. But fortunately, fortunately, I mean now at least it's at least a, a bit safer. We, we can conclude than before. So it, it, uh, if we are talking about Kharkiv. People are living more or less normal life nowadays because you know that Kharkiv uh, region was deoccupied, uh, like uh, more or less after three months of, of the war. So Kharkiv is okay, relatively okay. Of course, it's still unsafe, pretty much. Uh, it's pretty random where they can hit the rocket and then so on. But yeah, so at least. Uh, Probably Odessa is more or less the same, but Odessa, of course, is more dangerous anyway because of seaport and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry, I, I just wanted to touch on the the idea of, well, the fact that they've bombed chess clubs. Like, I, I think this is a an almost unique event within FIDE that they didn't talk about that. And I feel like if a chess club was destroyed under any other context, like, you know, if this was a terrorist attack in the West, for example, like this, FIDE wouldn't be able to talk about anything else. The chess world wouldn't be able to talk about anything else because it's an insane thing to happen. And, you know, we've seen, we've all seen pictures of this has happened multiple times now that a chess club has been hit by a missile and it's basically ignored. You know, we, we'll see, there'll be a few mentions of it on social media and stuff but like this isn't like big news or anything which is that alone is just very very strange to me because you know if it happened anywhere else this would be huge news because it's just such a a unique and horrible event to to happen yeah of course but also i i didn't see any anything about uh, Artem Sachuk, for instance, because he's quite a big figure, like vice president of a uh, very, very big federation. And uh, I mean, it's it's not uh, not nice from FIDE also, I mean, from my point of view. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You know, like if, a, I mean, in general, if a vice president of a federation was to just, just die of old age or natural causes or something, you know, is it's standard practice for FIDE to put out consolations and, you know, yeah. do, do a small obituary or something, but that doesn't seem to to be extended to the people who have been killed in this conflict. Maybe they understand there will be attacked about hypocrisy, whatever they, they do. But, well, maybe FIDE and Russia, we will, maybe let's talk about it a little bit later, if, 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 it's, if it's okay. About Ukrainian chess players, I mean, how are so let's say chess professionals i mean how are you affected can you make a living but also do you have material damages i mean you said that your flat in in kharkiv is still standing there but i think some has just lost considerable amounts of properties right i mean how does people make a survive yeah so yes fortunately yeah also my mother's uh, flat is also standing called the uh, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, uh, ninth uh, ninth floor building, uh, and uh, some some actually I I I, I was told that some uh, windows were damaged, but uh, fortunately not not my mother's uh, apartment. So uh, yeah, so basically, all, also uh, I was lucky that uh, also my building is also standing because. Uh, there are some, uh, there were, of course, uh, very heavy shelling just nearby, for instance, uh, the club, like uh, gym club, where I, where I was visiting, like maybe, maybe 500 meters away from home. Uh, it was uh, even uh, airstrike at some point. It's not a simple artillery, but they, they, uh, it just it was bombed from from uh, aircraft. It's, a, it's of course heavy heavy bombing. It's a different story. So and many other places close to my uh, building also. So yes, uh, okay. I I heard that uh, 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 
for instance, Anton Korobov's uh, apartment were heavily damaged. And of course, I have some friends, not only from chess uh, world, that that of course also some some of them are almost lost uh, apartments and so on. So at some point, um, yeah, the number was like uh, about thirty percent of buildings uh, were damaged in Kharkiv, something like that at some point. I guess now, well, everybody tries to uh, survive on an individual basis, and that's, of course, extremely logical and, and reasonable. But how do you see it leaves Ukrainian chess in the future? I mean, well, let's say, well, you were lost perhaps for Ukrainian chess already, but Shevchenko changed to Romania. A lot of players is going abroad. Also, we see infrastructure being uh, destroyed. I mean... Well, well, I understand, of course, it matters much more that the country survives, but Ukrainian chess, is it going to survive? Okay, it's actually quite a tough question, because now... Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, of course, the, the war is ongoing, and uh, I mean, the typical common opinion that it's not uh, the time for chess at all, like for professional chess. But the point is uh, that even before the war, uh, many, I mean, at least a few years... Uh, before it was uh, uh, like, in my opinion, uh, the chef, uh, professional professional chess were collapsing constantly, and that's why I, uh, at some point, I broke in relationships, and then I quit the national team also. And then, um, I mean, now now we 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 are experiencing that. Uh, I mean, it's really collapsing. I mean, it's not. Uh, uh, overstatement at all because uh, dozens of, uh, uh, first of all, young talents were left simply. Many are playing for different federations. And of course, the most uh, painful loss, of course, uh, Kirill Shevchenko. Uh, at some point, uh, when I found out that he is leaving, uh, okay, I'm not responsible of telling uh, some uh, uh, some uh, inside uh, inside stories how how it happened but i i heard it was also fault of federation to some extent at least and uh, i i just decided okay probably i will not uh, play anymore uh, for sure because i i had some hopes maybe i i will come back i i don't really i don't want to change the federation because uh, i mean federation itself maybe not uh, great but uh, if you represent Ukraine, it's uh, it's an honor in any case. And <clears throat> so, so I I, I I don't know what 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 else to say. Uh, so uh, also uh, the last news that our team uh, didn't uh, didn't start in European Championship was not present. You are defending champions, actually, right? Yeah, yeah, defending champions. It was not n nice, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, and uh, yes, I, I I don't see I don't see uh, any time soon that uh, professional chess will be revealed in Ukraine, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, by the, by the way, also women's team uh, uh, they were playing and she she managed actually to. To took uh, they managed to took first place, which is quite good result in such a circumstances because they were playing they were playing without leaders also because I mean it's not my my business but of course it's clear that uh, Muzichuk sisters uh, were unhappy also but I, I'm not responsible to 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 say anything on their behalf but we we can see just just facts that. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I think that was quite noticeable that uh, before the full-scale invasion, there was already problems in in Ukrainian chess. There was disagreements. Even well, I was involved with it for for FIDE elections, and I started to realize, okay, there is actually people who who are not on very good terms. And of course, um, well, it must be difficult that of course you have the strong unity because of uh, the full-scale invasion, but also there is all conflicts that doesn't go away like this you, you are mentioning. Yes, by the way, it's, it's another, another issue about uh, election. Maybe you know clearly more than me, I, I, I guess. So it was unclear at all for us, for chess players, why they actually 
they're pushing this technical candidate at all because it was clear that he is not a real, uh, real and serious person and it should be kind of technical candidate. And but then we are talking about Inal Sheripov, who was running uh, for for FIDE president, but a person basically nobody had seen ever, right? Yeah. I think he actually exists. I did some research on this. <laughs> well, you can laugh, but I think actually he is in the Chechen exile government, but uh, very little connection to chess. So that that is a, a strange uh, question. Uh, so, no, so, but... so yes, I think almost all players uh, signed some petition. Yes, for mm -hmm. for for, um, for you and Andre to, to support mm -hmm. your your ticket and. But uh, yes, maybe you know we we talk with Andre one or two times, and I I said that okay, of course I we are I, I I personally support, but I don't see any chances you can win. I and fully uh, agreed. It was from my it was a protest. It was not with an illusion that we could yeah. could, could could win, no doubt. But uh, well, to jump back to sort of. Uh, Ukrainian players. We mentioned some of the dilemmas now about the chess federation, these problems they have. But on a personal level, I mean, Ukrainian chess players have faced a lot of dilemmas. Yourself, for instance, uh, mm -hmm. you chose not to play a U uh, European championship, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, Europe and which one? Individual. I thought you, I thought you boycotted one, one event or uh, refused to play against Russian players. Or I forgot. Yeah, yeah. You mean I, I refused to play Russian players and... Uh... I decided to follow uh, suggestions of uh, federation. It was, I think, I, I thought it was very important before election. First of all, to put some pressure. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, now it's actually uh, quite important topic uh, because uh, we didn't. Uh, still, we don't have actually. Uh, kind of single stance uh, of all professional players, so, uh, whether we, we play or whether we refuse, whether we shake hands or we are not. So it's quite important question because uh, I, I didn't also uh, at some point uh, I didn't have a clear stance and then I, I took part in some tournaments. Uh, for instance, with Vladimir Kravnik, although it was not official tournament, <clears throat> but also I played uh, in a uh, uh, very strong round robin in Budapest. Also, I played with Maxim Matlakov uh, and I played uh, also with Anan Sugirov, who is actually, I, I knew already that he's leaving uh, to Hungary, uh, but it was like uh, a few weeks before he left officially. So I didn't have a clear stance by myself about whether to play uh, you are here because yeah, yeah yeah i am i mean we follow these things from the no. chess angle the chess news oh, but internet it was about internet ah oh, sorry but internet. i thought it there must be ukrainian press talking about it i mean is there maybe even legal implications uh, are you allowed to play with russian players or have you been that all the time for instance yes it's it's allowed it's about suggestions from uh, sport ministry from uh, from federation as well so uh, it's about our personal decision, actually. And at, at this point, at this point, I decided uh, that again, I, 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 I don't want to, uh, to talk about behalf of somebody else. Uh, at the moment, I decided uh, to, that uh, I think we have to play with Russians. Uh, any, in any case, there is no. If we are still professional, there is no actually. There is no choice, but we shouldn't shake uh, the hand because first of all, first of all, there are two issues. I mean, from my point of view. So first of all, they're using it for heavily for Russian in Russian propaganda. It it was the case uh, recent case of Kozubov, Artemyev game. So Kozubov actually won quite a good game. He beat uh, a very strong grandmaster. Artemyev, who is actually more, more or less, uh, um, I mean, more or less clearly supporting Russia. I mean, at least uh, clearly patriotic. He has not like not uh, to Karakin's extent, but 
he has quite patriotic views and uh, he does, uh, so uh, Yuri decided to shake his hand and it was actually used uh, heavily in Russian propaganda and I was actually very surprised. Uh, I didn't really follow the news and at some point my mother told me, okay, let, let's take a look. It's just everywhere. She, she was, uh, she, she, she is actually, I mean, she is not strong, but uh, she knows how to play chat. And she, she is uh, monitoring news maybe more than me. And she, she, she told me, okay, let's take a look. Uh, it's more or less everywhere. She, she started to check the news and I was really shocked because uh, I, I started to check Russian news and it was almost everywhere. So they are heavily using uh, for propaganda, like the main propagandist, like Sergei Shipov. They're always commenting, okay, of course, uh, something like Yuri is a very smart guy. Of course, Chelsea should be, should be out from politics and so on. And uh, despite some pressure, they, they still uh, able to withstand and so on. I mean, very typical uh, bullshit, let's say. So, so that's why, first of all, that's quite serious issue. They're using uh, Russian, Russia are using their players for propaganda. And I think we have to simply uh, uh, refuse to have any contacts. This is uh, the first point uh, why, why I taking this uh, distance. And uh, also second of all, that, uh, Okay, it's very clear that uh, actually FIDE did a, a good stuff for, in my opinion, that they decided to decided to propose. I mean, uh, how to say, decided to make uh, decided to propose to to make this choice for Russian players to live uh, for free, and uh, the window was till August thirty one. So everybody who wanted to live, they left. So basically, everybody who uh, who stayed, it was just a con con conscious decision. You mean leave to represent FIDE flag or leave to another federation? Or yeah, both? leave to another federation, obviously. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't know about FIDE flag. I don't know what it means anymore. No. Uh, so, I mean, what's what the point to, to have FIDE flag? There is no point, I guess, yeah? Yeah, I, I actually thought the... The fact that they used the handshake of Kuzubov and Artemyev for propaganda, I think was kind of a good sign of how lacking they were for good propaganda, because this was not like a super high profile game. This wasn't, you know, they weren't leading the tournament. They both finished on six out of 11. It's not, you know, it wasn't super critical or anything. And they're like, they really latched onto this game that was fairly meaningless, even in within the tournament. But yeah, I, I do think it's it was kind of a warning that they are going to they're going to use stuff like that for propaganda, and clearly it could have been with a higher profile game that would have got more impact. And I, also in general, I think like refusing to shake hands is one of the most peaceful forms of protest that you could possibly imagine. You know, you're not. You're not rioting on the streets and smashing windows or anything. It really is something that no one should ever have any complaint about because it's just, it's a protest and it is a gesture and I think it matters, but it doesn't, you don't harm anyone, you know, like even refusing to play against someone in a tournament messes up the pairings, it affects other people's, it affects tie breaks and stuff like that. That's a bit more extreme, but I think always refusing to shake someone's hand is, is completely peaceful and it, it should be totally acceptable especially in, in the context of, you know, one country is bombing another. Yeah, I think it's pretty logical. Also, maybe you saw the case uh, Kabalia Shevchenko. I did, uh, they, yes. They, they uh, published, maybe not long ago, I didn't follow, but at some point I, I noticed that they published the decision. I mean... Uh, the FIDE Ethics Committee. It's very, it's very, it's very long uh, one, mm -hmm. I mean. I, I read, but not fully, maybe because it's it's very hard to, to read uh, every single word. Uh, but uh, I mean, uh, the crystal clear is uh, they pointed out that okay, one country 
with the war, it's very typical because in many other federations, uh, I mean, Ukrainian sportsmen are acting uh, in the same way. So it's not yes. compulsory, of course. Yeah, but... and, I, and I think in a rare moment, I think we should give some praise to FIDE for their decision in that, that, that complaint. Because so for people who are not aware, what happened is that the European Championships, uh, Kabalia and Shevchenko were paired. Uh, Kabalia was at the board. He offered his hand to shake hands with Shevchenko and Shevchenko refused to shake his hand. They played the game. Uh, Shevchenko won and then Kabalia lost. Well, first he made a complaint to the appeals committee, which was declined, refused, and then he made a complaint to Fide saying that he was distracted. And I thought that the Fide's response, well, the, the ethics committee's response was very good because they made it very clear that one of the reasons that, that Kirill had uh, refused his handshake is, firstly, Kapalavia is pretty close to the Kremlin and has kind of said some things on social media that are not particularly supportive of Ukraine in any way, um, but also that uh, Kirill's family were very near a place that had been bombed the night before, and there were missiles falling near, I think, his brother and his mother, which mm -hmm. obviously affected his mindset the next day. And I think under those circumstances, it's completely acceptable to not shake someone's hand. And the other thing is that the committee was also very, very critical of Kabalia, Kabalia's behavior afterwards and made it very clear that he had been harassing them in emails and threatening them uh, if he didn't get a decision that he wanted, that there would be consequences, which I'm kind of surprised that the committee didn't sanction Kabalia based on the things that they said. Um, but maybe they'll maybe there'll be another case at some point. But, but these things being said, the wording was that Shevchenko was guilty and the rule says he has to shake his hand. He only got a warning, as far as I understand, right? Yeah, he only got a warning. And yeah, So in principle, was... well, uh, Pavel, you are saying you don't want to shake Russian players' hands, but that's against the rules, and you will be warned. I mean, will you just live with the consequences? No, but I, I uh, actually I was surprised why why it is warning, because it's not against the rules, as far as I know. Yeah, I I think that yeah, you're right. It was very long and complex. I think that the the reasoning was that refusing to shake your opponent's hand is against the spirit of the rules, if even though it's not against the exact wording of the rules. But I I think I feel like a warning was okay. Like there was no real consequences for a warning. Like nothing nothing was. Yeah, but I, I remember it's it's written something like you can. Uh... Uh, it's not. Uh, it's it. It could be some other gesture, like not shake hands, but you can. Uh, I don't know some, to do something something else. Uh, to... I, I play Japanese chess. There, the culture is that you bow for your opponent, or you know yeah, yeah, something like that. Maybe you can do. It. But I mean, it's very strange rule. I mean, and uh, I don't see uh, the point. Uh, uh, that's why I don't see the point behind this this warning because uh, I mean it's if it's not written I mean for a different culture it could it could it could it actually means maybe just completely different stuff. You know? Yeah, I mean we also had like two years of COVID where no one really yeah, 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 exactly. anyway. So. But also now we are discussing handshakes. But you have publicly stated that you think. Russian chess player should be banned. I mean, debating if you should shake those hands is, is mild. What is your principal point? Uh, I mean, you would actually still want Russian players to be banned from all chess events? Yes, it's um, it's another uh, complex com complex question. <clears throat> For instance, yes, he, he, here here I, I have no uh, clear uh, uh, clear opinion. Okay, first of all, I, I don't think uh, for, for, since uh, uh, since they are not uh, taking part in the team competition, this is uh, already kind of decent uh, way to kind of just, uh, let's say justified way to to take a stance uh, against against Russian Federation in general. But about uh, about uh, Neutrality on and so on. I I don't know. Probably probably. 
in official competition at least uh, they should should not be banned but for instance i was also surprised that uh, nepa who still represents russia he he invited to a vacancy so it's it was a little bit surprising although i have nothing personal against nepa because he by the way having a clear anti-war stance but uh, anyway having in mind is actually uh, netherlands who uh, we know we know about boeing we remember about it yes. and they uh, they uh, mh17 uh, flight that was uh, shut yeah. down over uh, uh, ukrainian territory by russian separatists and uh, i think in last year there was a sentence that uh, blamed three persons with uh, very strong ties to the russian military for for that and i think it cost almost 300 uh, people's life most of them dutch yeah so the, the, they actually, it turns out that they were directly involved uh, because of MH17. And uh, yeah, so it was a little bit surprised. So uh, he was invited in the private event. Uh, it's, uh, to my, uh, in my point of view, it's, as I said before, it's a conscious decision if you are staying uh, within Russian Chess Federation then you have to accept uh, something that your first of all your name will be used for propaganda so it's not just a chess uh, not not any sport including chess maybe chess even more than many other sports uh, they are used in uh, propaganda machine it's very clear for for everybody so if you are a high profile player there is no way to avoid so that's why I think, uh, yes, this is, it should be fair from my point of view that, that uh, okay, uh, it's uh, just a moral stance that Russia should not be invited. Uh, but from point of view of official competition, uh, in my opinion, this is a, a complicated topic. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, to my taste, it's a little bit discriminatory indeed that some very strong players are not playing. But to, in my point of view, uh, uh, decision about team competition is uh, is quite uh, correct, of course. Well, also, well, support for Ukrainian players was quite big in the beginning. There was like, let's say organized charity events uh, like this was that something you appreciated a lot or do you think it was too little i would also argue has the chess world uh, stopped caring there's not so much of these things do you feel a bit left uh, alone and forgotten how, how do you feel about these things no it's not the case for sure that i i'm feeling that i I've forgotten because uh, actually uh, at least privately a lot of uh, Federation uh, managed to support a lot of uh, colleagues, a lot of uh, a lot of chess players. So we know that uh, okay, many federation. I I don't know. Maybe I have to call a few. Just uh, like United Kingdom, they uh, uh, they invited and uh, um, many chess players and actually many are switched to to UK Federation. So. Uh, also federations many federations as far as i remember uh, romania spain and many others are supporting so also also many uh, chess players are living uh, in germany uh, like myself so uh, yes actually and yes what i want to add of course that uh, first of all i uh, appreciated uh, that uh, people in munich here uh, supported me very much because I'm playing for Tsukswang Chess Club and uh, uh, the main uh, sponsor and owner uh, Roman Krulich is uh, uh, avid ch chess fan and uh, he supported uh, me and my family and I'm really grateful and I hope that I, I will be able to play uh, as best as I can in Bundesliga so I'm playing in the first Bundesliga. We are not favorite 
but uh, our atmosphere is quite good, so I I hope we will manage at least to stay in the league. And uh, yes, and and in general, yes, in general, I'm feeling that many people are supporting Ukrainians. So it's surely, surely, I, we are not forgotten, and I'm really grateful. Okay, that, that that's that's good, good, good to hear. Sorry to return to about Russian players, but for instance, well, you mentioned Nepomniachtchi that, um, well, you know, he made a clear anti-war stance, but he also plays for the Russian Chess Federation. How do you differentiate about things? For instance, well, also Nepomniachtchi, he has Potanin as a sponsor. You can take Lakno and Goryachkina. They played Kayakins tournaments. Mm-hmm. It must be very difficult. Do you actually sort of group people very differently? Do you sort of judge them on an individual basis or how do you feel about these things? Yes, so again, it's it's interesting topic. So it's rather him, not me, who who, who is differentiated, I guess. Because, uh, yes, it's indeed uh, it's a bit strange. It's, if you are anti-war, but you are still uh, keeping uh, the, the federation, so um, so for me, it's a, not. First of all, also I know that he is quite sincere. I guess with his anti-war statements and anti-war opinions, but in the same time, uh, he wants to keep the sponsorship. From a personal point of view, it's also understandable. But as I said, it's his personal opinion. But at least, uh, I mean, it's better. Uh, it's better to to take a stance because many players are just uh, keep playing without taking the stance, without seeing any letters and so on. So yes, unfortunately, there are some people I would I would think I I, I thought better about them before the war and. Uh, Yes, many people are. I probably just stopped uh, to, to contact. Uh, and uh, yes, there are also many chess players. I I would probably never shake hands anymore at all from Russia. I mean, well, time is coming to an end, but this is a feeder podcast, so uh, we will talk a little bit about feeder, of course. Uh, in an interview with Chess.com, I think uh, when one year after the full-scale invaders started, you said sort of. I quote you here to be sure it's exact. It's very clear that FIDE is more pro-Russian than I thought before. Well, that's quite a strong statement, especially considering that FIDE was perhaps pretty pro-Russian before that. But well, maybe you can explain. Why did you say so? It was... Uh, I, I don't remember. It was when exactly. So what I would that? guess it's... We're talking uh, exactly 20, February 24th, 2023. I think it was. Uh, I, I thought actually it was a little bit after, but I don't. It could 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 be. I'm sorry. But uh, I mean, uh, my point of view is still the same. It doesn't really matter whether it was uh, what point of time it was. So uh, yes, unfortunately, yes. For for instance, for instance, yes. Some uh, some way we can praise also the team that I mean, in my point of view. The team, uh, the team is quite professional itself. Uh, if you are not talking about Arkady, from my point of view, the team is better than the previous one. I mean, this is my, this is my personal point of view. But in the same time, in the same time, if you are talking about Arkady, uh, I think there is no uh, reason to discuss after. Uh, 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 the the latest uh, day of chess, yes, where he spent, uh, where where he decided to celebrate with Peskov and with Filatov and and uh, and so on. So uh, there is no point to to discuss it whether he had Russian connections or, or no. It's more or less clear now. Yes. Just to explain it to the, the readers, on the International Day of Chess. The FIDE president was at the Central Chess Club in Moscow and was giving a, a speech about the future of uh, chess, but so was 
Putin spokesperson Peskov and uh, well as a Ukrainian uh, chess player well asking how you feel about that sounds like a stupid question but let me ask it anyway yeah yeah so there is no point for me to discuss it I mean it's just clear that he is connected heavily to mm -hmm. um, to I don't know to Russian government or or whatever how to how to call it yeah I don't know how to define he, has, yeah. he was previously, at least. Uh, yeah, for, I mean, for... my, my theory is that he is in charge of Fide as a punishment for some something. Uh, because he's gone from organizing the FIFA World Cup, which is, you know, such a huge event. You know, I guess it's second in the world to the Olympics. But in terms of budget, you know, it's like whatever, $16 billion or something like that to, to run in Fide for a significantly smaller budget. But I, I think he's there to do a job. Like I genuinely think that he's there to to promote Russian interests, and I think you can see that very few of his actions are not directly beneficial towards Russian interests. Like there's, I don't think there's any doubt in what he's there for. And it, I think it will be interesting after the next election because he's not allowed to stand for another term. It will be interesting to see who replaces him. But my suspicion is it will be someone with a very similar role. Mm -hmm. Might be. I, I genuinely agree with uh, Dottie, but well, there is details. We can discuss them later. But I guess Fide would argue, well, they did do some good things for Ukrainians, right? I mean, you got wild cards. There was support for veterans, even some support for players. Recently, they are doing mm, some, some training for, for female players. You feel that this is too small or you feel that they lack to, let's say, punish uh, Russian players or how do you see FIDE's uh, role or how they've been doing things? No, actually, as I said before about the, the team itself, uh, so the good uh, good news is it's very diverse, yes? So we can argue about uh, what, what Dana is doing or what Emilio and so on, but... Uh, uh, actually, they were doing some uh, good stuff. Actually, indeed, for Ukrainians at least, uh, I, I'm. I, I. It's. I. It's not me who has to judge. I guess, but they can do more. Although, I mean, they are doing something at least. So, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it means that. Uh, I mean, something. Uh, something good is happening anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have that much more on my list, at least in terms of, uh, you know, uh, Ukraine and uh, chess politics and, and things like that. Is there something you would like to add, Dutch? No, I think you've covered everything that we wanted to talk about today, Peter. Um, Pavel, I just wanted to ask kind of what's the what's your near future like? What's your like upcoming plans for tournaments or do you have any other things that you're working on? Yeah, actually, I was invited now to play a strong tournament in India. It was, it will be in the middle of December. Uh, uh, eight, uh, eight players around Robin and uh, some strongest Indian players will take part. And uh, yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy to play some high level chess, first of all, again. That's actually interesting news. Is Gukesh playing? Yes, yes. So, ah, so he gets a second chance for the. I know that he's playing in London to earn this feed circuit points, but he will play this event. I mean, you mentioned eight players. That is exactly enough to qualify for that, right? So I, I, I'm not really sure what, what are the dates of London. So it will be just next to each other, I guess. Yeah? I think so. London starts. Yeah, I think it runs today. from the 1st until the 10th. Okay. Yeah, so it's more or less exactly. Yeah. So it starts like 14, I guess. Okay, interesting. So, so it's... Uh, Probably, yes, indeed, kind of special tournament, another chance, yeah. But I'm not actually really into it. I, I, I'm not counting points. Uh, that's probably before the tournament. Uh, have a, I have to, to make some special preparation and count some points in yeah. order to understand who, who, who are playing for, for what exactly. Yeah? What about publications? Will we see any books, online courses from you soon, or you're most focused on playing at the moment? Yes, I, I'm doing uh, uh, 
it's I'm not uh, writing any books, but uh, yes, I'm doing some courses. Uh, so you know, also I'm involved in, in Offerspiel. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. And uh, also Magnus Carlsen's uh, Norwegian Chess Club, and they are having training for te ten or twenty very talented uh, young players, right? Yeah. So uh, yes. Uh, quite good service uh, and uh, I, I, I'm enjoying really much and also great for, for opportunity also also yes I about courses I, I, I uh, yes I'm recording some Karakan for instance I managed to, to finish uh, for modern chess uh, service and uh, yeah so I actually involved in professional life uh, so probably would like to play maybe a little bit more. We'll see maybe the next European individual championship also. So maybe to round it off, it sounds like on a personal level, professionally and with your family, things are are, are going fine. But I guess long term, I mean, you dream of uh, relocating to Ukraine? Yes, it's also a quite painful question. Uh, I mean, at some point I would love to indeed, but uh, like in near future, the next few years, uh, I think I, I will stay in Europe. Uh, so that's that's my uh, middle term plans uh, at least. So, and we are living uh, in such a world nowadays. I mean, also uh, we, we are following news. Uh, from the Middle East, of course, uh, I have many friends in Israel. So, so uh, uh, the world is uh, world is unsafe uh, at the moment, and I hope, I hope, uh, I mean, for a better future in in New Year at least. Well, we we really hope these these dreams will come come true. But really, thanks a lot for coming to the the podcast, and uh, see you all next later. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, thanks a lot. All the best. Bye. Bye.